This podcast is brought to you by CEW at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor as we work to serve our community during this unprecedented time of change. Resiliency is best demonstrated in times of challenges. Join CEW Director Tiffany Mara as she talks to students, staff, faculty, and community members connected to the University of Michigan Center for the Education of Women Plus in this new podcast, Strength in the Midst of the Pandemic. for joining me on this call today to share your experiences related to COVID and all that's going on in the world. The purpose of this project is to capture stories of how the coronavirus has impacted our lives, including challenges, moments of pride, and strengths for others to learn from. The main audience for this podcast will be students who have child or elder care responsibilities so that they can hear stories of others to assist as they navigate self-care and the care of loved ones. Can you please introduce yourself and then describe what your old normal was and how that has shifted as a result? of COVID? Sure. So my name is Devin Keene, and I currently work at the School of Information. I'm part of the Office of Academic and Student Affairs. My previous work was, yes, a lot of meetings and administration, but did involve student contact, a meeting with students, checking in with students, being in the office, offered the opportunity for students to drop in without an appointment, for me to run into students, and for us to maybe address some concerns at that time, connect with colleagues informally around things that might have risen. Separation between work and home was more clear. I did have to work from home sometimes, and I did sometimes bring homework in the evening. But for the most part, when I picked up my daughter from school and I was home, then I was home. And it was all about, you know, maybe laundry, dinner, homework, you know, all those kind of normal things. Bedtime and the rituals were just very clear and established. And so there was, you know, there's always some tension between work and home, and we're always trying to find a balance. But you know, now it's all smushed together, and you know, my daughter sees me at home and wonders why I'm not fully available to her, and why am I still working? Because working at home is something that would only happen occasionally or certain deadlines or timelines. But you know, there's a sense of like I'm off, you know, I, I'm on vacation or I'm out of school. Why aren't you out of work? Um, why are you at home still working and not available to me? And then the additional burden of there not being school. So feeling like somehow in the midst of working and somehow being present, so much for your child, you also have to be responsible for their education beyond supplementing what's happening at school. So that's probably that's really the main thing is, is just you have to somehow make that delineation and, and it, there aren't those natural separators anymore. How have your thoughts or concerns changed as a result of these shifts? I think concerns that would exist um, normally are just amplified. So maybe at the office there might have been some communication gaps or concerns on, you know, how to accomplish something or the best way to approach something or, or you know, how I fit into the professional landscape and how best to be of service. Those are all questions that might just have always been there on a very minimal level. They get amplified in this situation because you can't see people and you can't address those gaps or have those conversations informally. And so you're just in these very formalized spaces that then, you know, you have perceptions of how other people are handling it or how they're able just to be very productive and maybe you're not feeling productive. And so that gets amplified. And I think the same goes for child raising. I mean, Maybe you're concerned about your child's progress in some level or, or like, oh, gosh, I should probably do some extra enrichment or read some more books at night. But it was 
not a major sense, just kind of like something you might think about. Well, now with that full responsibility shifting to you with, it's like, it's almost like the, the roles have flipped. Like the teachers are, are and, and, and I support our teachers. They're wonderful. And this is challenging for all of us. Um, but it's almost like the teachers are the supplemental, like here are some tools and here are some guides and here are some resources that you might use, right? The weight of it is on us. Whereas before it was like the teachers did the main thing and then, you know, they would say, well, we would just add um, different resources just to supplement. So I think that the main thing that how my, you know, my thinking shift is, is that just having to think about things that you didn't have to think about before, think about them deeply, even if you're telling yourself, it's okay, you know, just do the best that you can. It's all right that you just read books or did a couple of worksheet pages or didn't do worksheet pages. Even having to have that thought is a thought you didn't used to have to have before. In all of the transitions that you've been going through, what do you think has been the greatest challenge for you? I would say balance. You know, a lot of our schedules, a lot of our calendars are set up way before this happened. The timelines, you know, I was, I was meeting with someone and I said, it's like we're existing outside of time but time is still marching on. So we're still expected to adhere to various, you know, deadlines and prompts. You know, we still are admitting students to our program. We still are going to have to, um, you know, still do admissions decisions. We still have to create orientation activities. So for now, we're having to put them in an online space. So that, that I feel like is the greatest challenge is that is the disconnect between and then, you know, that balance of how do I assert myself, as I said, sort of in the beginning, that challenge of like, okay, this time is for my child. This time is for me. How to delineate those spaces when it's not, we're trying to stay socially distant and not be out there very much. So it can't always be, oh, we're going to go to the park or we're going to go to this museum. I mean, those, those are ways in which we might find some relief, but it's still centered around the same physical space pretty much. So finding balance and readjusting expectations of what success looks like, what a good job looks like, what, you know, what productivity means, you know, what accomplishment means in terms of children's academic, social, and emotional health. So yeah, so all of those things. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to have to think about. Have you found some strategies to reduce your stress and anxiety around it? It helps me if I can, you know, it's funny because it reminds me of when my children were babies and when they were very small and they were, you know, much more demanding than I would say my eight-year-old is, you know, infants are much harder. And I, I remember I used to say, if I can just get up before they wake up, if I can just have some time to myself, then that makes everything else easier. And I'm finding myself sort of going back to that space. Like it's really imperative that I wake up before the house wakes up and that I have sometimes to sit with a cup of tea and to, you know, crack the window if it's not too cold and listen to birds and just maybe, actually, I, you know, media used to be something I might look at, but now that's not helpful. Um, so just having those. Uh, the other part is where it's, I appreciate having a child at home it's, and it's nice to have this time with her in general, but we do dance breaks in between. So sometimes when I'll get off a call, we just did it before I got on this call. I said, okay, I got a few minutes. Let's do a dance break. And we put on Beyonce, run the world, and we just dance around and we're really silly for like, you know, five minutes and laugh. I'm just, I act extra wild on purpose. Like I make really funny faces and jump around and just, I just try to bring that sense of play and joy. Theoretically, I'm doing this for my child, but really it helps me a lot to do that and to switch gears and to bring that sort of feeling of play and 
taking a break and going outside and you know, so children, they're almost like pets, right? You have to go outside. You have to walk your dog. Maybe not a cat, but, you know, so, you know, that the idea of like, oh, well, you know, we need, my daughter needs fresh air. Really, I need fresh air too, you know, but you'll go out for, for their sake, not necessarily for yours. So these things, they really help with stress and, and looking at how to rearrange my schedule so I have some more, you know, some time to ease into my day and, and just taking some time off and recognizing that I might need more as much as work will allow in terms of deadlines, but that I probably have some more space than I realized. Yeah, now you have one living with you and then you've got two college-age students as well. How are you managing to stay in touch with them and make sure that they have the connection they need with you? That is a good question. Well, I have two adult children. Um, one is 21 and living here with me. They were on spring break from their senior year of college when and they go to school out of state um, when all this happened. So spring break turned into end of the year graduation everything rolled into one. And then my other child stays in Ann Arbor, but is downtown and has an apartment. And we have all agreed, including him, that it's safer for him to distance himself from us just because have just lots of contact with lots of students, you know, sort of into the progression of this. And so we, you know, FaceTime every few days, phone calls. My mother lives close by and will drop off food to him. You know, and I just keep emphasizing, please let me know if you need food, if you need anything. He works remotely, so he's still working as well. But it's having to remember that, oh, wait, you know, wanting to be in contact more. And the other thing that's just, you know, I talked about my younger child, but, you know, the fact that there's a lot of, you know, sadness and grieving and adjusting that's having to happen with both, you know, all my children, but both the, the ones that are here in the house, the little one, but also that's my daughter who is, has an, had, had a, an abrupt end to her school year. And so making sure that I have emotional availability to hold space for her if she wants to talk or decompress or like just having that time to do fun things with her as well. So it's just trying to, you know, create that, that space so that you can stay connected with yourself so you're more able to have space for those who, you know, have least control, especially the the youngest. You know, it's a rough time, but what I'm finding is that if I can focus on positive things, it helps me a ton. I was wondering if you've seen any of those silver linings along the way as a result of all of the changes. Yeah, I mean, what I'm finding helpful is, for example, I'm writing again. So I've always been a journaler. I've write poetry. I really am a lover of words. I love, you know, just to kind of have my mind meander and write and observe. And in the crush of just the pre-COVID life, <laughs> driving and picking up and dropping off and this meeting, that meeting, you know, um, I had sort of lost that. Like a lot of my creative energy was going, was just being sort of sapped. And I find that morning time, that those quiet time, is the fact that there is decreased amount of transitions and running around physically that I'm actually able to access that part of, um, of myself. So that's, that's been a real positive. And, and just having this time with my daughters. I mean, you know, my one daughter will go start a PhD program in the fall. And, you know, for the foreseeable future, this is probably going to be the last time we spend this much time together. I mean, she's going off to build her life. She'll be there for five years and she'll come home for breaks and those things. But, you know, she's really starting her adult life. So this is really a, a precious time. Have that time that you're not just 
in and out from one place to the other, but just really just time together. And even as I'm working, that you know, we couldn't have dance breaks before, for example. You've accomplished a ton. I mean, you're supporting three kids, um, regardless of their adults or young, and you're keeping your work going. What are you personally most proud of as you've been navigating this situation? You know, that's such. I think it's so important for us to take those moments and to give ourselves credit. I appreciate the opportunity to reflect on that. I think I'm proud of the level of compassion I'm giving myself. I mean, that's something that is hard-earned, hard-won, and something I've been working on and will continue to work on. But even as we have a self-critical thought or I'm worried about something, I reassure myself that it will all be okay. And not in a way where I'm avoiding or ignoring, but a way of saying, like, yeah, it's true that I'm not, I'm not doing a full homeschool, but we're just going to take it one day at a time. And my daughter was watching the history of the earth and she did that herself. And I said, why don't you make a video talking about what you learned? And I felt great. I'm like, that's a win. <laughs> that's homeschooling. That's we did something today. You know, <laughs> she initiated it. So, I mean, just taking those wins, taking it day by day and having self-compassion. I'm proud of that. Yeah, that's a great little strategy for others who are listening to be able to use with their kids. Have you found any online resources or other really useful ideas for how to homeschool kids? I'm struggling with that as well. And I, you know, yesterday I printed out about 18 pages of coloring book pages and I'm like, okay, I could do better than this, but I'd love ideas <laughs> and I'm sure others would as well. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I think uh, another side effect of this uh, at home life is I'm online so much that my capacity to do more online stuff is a little bit diminished. Um, I do have on Facebook, uh, I save links and I create a sort of folder that says schooling resources that I've saved to so that I thought, okay, when I get a chance, I can, I can look there and see. So there's so, I mean, right away there was all these great ideas and all this information. And uh, so I haven't, I haven't really found much online when I haven't really looked to go back and pull those documents back up. I really am relying on the school resources, Clever, Weebly, Epic, things that I didn't pay that much attention to before this because I was like, oh, it's another interface, I don't have time. But now it's like, oh, thank God, <laughs> these things exist. So I'm like, okay, go on Epic and read a book on Epic. Or like, hey, you know, go on Clever because I know Clever is safe. And, and when, after she watched the video on History of the Earth, she went on Seesaw and made a video about it. She was oh, I did a video on Seesaw. I'm like, that's perfect. So I really am leaning into the resources that the school has provided. Not perfectly, but that's really a point of focus. And then other life things, like my daughter made kale chips by herself the other day, and she can reach the knob on the oven now. So that was pretty cool. She would turn off the oven, and she took it out of the oven. You know, I'm like, wow, okay. And so that's, I, keep, I think that's learning, too. So I, I'm expanding thoughts on what learning is and what engagement is and education and also incorporating those sorts of things and allowing her to feel responsible and also feel empowered that she can, you know, do things around the house and do things in the kitchen. So I'm, that's what I'm expanding on. But yeah, just really leaning into those school resources and thinking of the teachers as a resource. And, you know, that's probably, that's really where my mind is right now. Yeah, thank you. Now, I'm finding many people I'm talking to are binge watching TV shows or listening to podcasts or YouTube videos of people in Italy. Have you found some sort of outlet through media that you're using? And if so, what would you recommend to others as we're all trying to pass this time and just de-stress at the end of our work days? My daughters are watching actually Free Rain. It's this Netflix show about people live off the coast of England and they have 
It's like a horse stable. And so I ended up watching that with them. They're it's like, you know, my one daughter's 21, the other's eight. And they have both found this thing that they both like to watch. <laughs> so I, I find myself being like, what happened? Where are we at? What, what's, you know, so I'm like on meetings, but I'm like half, have half the ear listening to that. But I'm like, what's going on? Is that person still a bad person or are they nicer? You know, so it's kind of united all three of us, this show, Free Rain. And what else have I watched? I watched Uncorked, which is a movie on Netflix. So by the time the evening comes, I feel like I'm free to really watch things. Honestly, I, I tried. I just ended up falling asleep. But I did sign up for Masterclass. I shared a membership with one of our faculty that, hey, does anyone want to go in half on this repository of advice from really famous people like Spike Lee, accomplished people, Shonda Rhimes, artists, and filmmakers and writers, and so I'm really excited to dig into that and get to hear from people that I would normally not have the opportunity to um, at a bargain price because I was able to share it. So that's, I'm excited about about getting to sit there and, and uh, learn from some, some of the greats. That's cool. Do you have an inspirational quote or message that you'd like to share? I do. I have, and everyone who knows me or has worked with me long knows that this is my, I would say it's my personal tagline. And it is a Swahili phrase, a Swahili word that is Tamoja Tutashinda. And it means together we will win. And sorry, whenever things get hard, and feels very focused. I, I say that to myself, Pamoja Tushinda, together we will win. And immediately reminds me that I'm not alone in whatever it is that I'm working towards or with, and that we are together. And I just had not thought about it until you asked me that question, but it really does apply to the situation that, you know, even as we're distancing from one another, it's so clear that we need each other more than ever in the ways in which we're reaching out to one another, the ways in which we're connecting, sharing have become even more precious to all of us and the care and concern for those who still have to work or essential workers, the care and concern for the doctors, those who are sick, those who are, you know, scared or you know, those who have found really fun things to do. I think we've really reached to one another as a, as a world community, global community, um, things that we used to watch other countries go through, like Ebola or SARS, that always felt like it was somebody else. It has come home to us now. We are them. And it is really all of us who are facing this challenge. And it gives us an opportunity to remember that it's only together that we'll win. Mm -hmm. That is an absolutely perfect quote for the day. You know, one of us not staying at home could lead to the next outbreak. And we all have to do our part right now. Well, thank you so much. And uh, please be in touch. Great. Thanks so much. It's a great opportunity for reflection and to step outside of, you know, the new normal or whatever that is and, and just to reflect. I think that's always so valuable. So thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for listening to CEW's podcast, Strength in the Midst of the Pandemic. To learn more about this episode or the services and virtual programming offered by CEW, please visit cew.umich.edu. Here at CEW Plus, we navigate circumstantial barriers by providing academic, financial, and professional support to help you reach your personal potential. 
Established to support women through higher education, we lift up women in all underserved communities at the University of Michigan and beyond. Through career and education counseling, funding, workshops, events, and a diverse, welcoming community, we exist to empower. We are CEW, and we are here to help you reach your potential. The University of Michigan resides on the traditional territories of the three fires peoples, the Ojibwa, Adawa, and Potawatomi. 